Guys, my entrepreneurs, my business owners, listen, if you have been like me in the past, you know, maybe you were struggling to manage finances behind your business, um, shit, <laughs> maybe spending endless amounts of time trying to determine your overall financial direction. Uh, look, I want to introduce you to um, a company, okay? Financial automation company. A good friend, Brady over there. Um, I connected with this dude and right away I knew that what he was building, uh, he was onto something. Everything from projecting your working capital to calculating profitability, um, you know, helping you prepare for your taxes, just on and on, they are the go-to company for all things finance. And not only do they create a custom tool specifically for your business, uh, but they actually, they also provide you with a daily snapshot. And this thing was key for me. Um, so now you know where your business is at financially at all times. You literally have your own digital CFO that will automate your finances at a drop of a hat. Look, I highly recommend you guys get in touch with Brady and his team over at Financial Automation. Um, I know it's been a game changer. So look, if you're interested in learning more, there's going to be a link in the description. Click that link, a free strategy session, and tell them that you came from none other than Professor Doughboy at Overnight Success University. Welcome to Overnight Success U. At OSU, we are here to be the hub for those who operate on the edge and to build the best education platform for those longing for success, ultimately through proximity to mentors and masters of the 10,000 hour rule. As always, I'm Mark Forster, aka Professor Doughboy, here to walk you through the curriculum. And today, we are honored to have Jay Ferrugia on the show. Jay Ferrugia has been helping men become the strongest version of themselves since 1994. Uh, probably most familiar with his work in men's health, you know, muscle and fitness, uh, men's fitness. Huffington Post. He is everywhere. Entrepreneur Magazine. He has been able to really provide a lot of his expertise throughout these mediums um, as he is most known for his blogging as he started his career. You will also be very much aware of him being the host of the Renegade Radio podcast, which is a health and fitness show about relentless pursuit of excellence in every aspect of life. He is one of America's top fitness and self-help experts with over 25 years of professional experience. In this, we're going to dive into health, most notably things that are impacting the fitness industry right now with everything going on with COVID, talk about business, have a little fun at the end, talking about his take on rap and uh, who he loves, who he started with, his humble beginnings in New York, all the way to where he is now in California. Really appreciate you guys. Take notes because a lot of his philosophies 
in health are 100% translated into business. Where are you located? I'm out in Boston. Oh, now I can hear it. How's it going there? Shut down. (laughs) You know, um, I think we're opening up. I think they're opening up the second week of May now. They pushed it back. Okay, yeah, that's where we're at, May 15th. Yeah, that's where we're at too. Yep, yep. But I think it's going to be pushed back another month though. Here. Yeah. It's, it's, only, it's only phase one, which is almost nothing, and then it's phase two, three, four. So I don't think gyms are until like phase three or four, which probably be July or August or maybe even later. Yeah, dude, it's, it's – I don't know. This whole thing is nuts, dude. This whole thing is, is crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, dude, I'll, uh, I'll pop in right now and, and we can get into it. What's going on, guys? Mark Forster, back with Overnight Success University, a.k.a. Professor Doughboy. And today, we are able to sit down with um, actually the host, if you guys follow him, Jay Ferrugia, Renegade Radio Podcast, um, all about health, all about fitness, really in order to portray what it takes to have a relentless pursuit towards excellence in really every aspect of life. Um, So Jay, he's America's top fitness and self-help expert uh, with over 25 years of experience. And um, if you don't follow him on on IG, it's not just fitness guys. It's, I mean, you know, his blessings with letting us know what he's digging on rap and he's uh, he's a well-rounded dude. Um, So Jay, I really appreciate you being on today, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, some of the stuff that um, inspired me, like I know I picked up this book because of you, um, Mm. The Metabolism. I picked up this book because of you, The Rain Barrel Effect. Mm. Uh, And during this whole, like, you know, lockdown or whatever, it's actually something I'm thinking of getting into. Um, You know, a lot of my training is – obviously home base, which we have to be, my dumbbells only go up to 50. I'm doing a lot of band work. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe it is the best time for me. And, you know, if other people have thought about it to like do some type of fasting protocol or really just like check themselves with their metabolism. Um, Have you done, I know you experiment all the time. Have you done prolonged fasts before? I've done 72 hours, I think. At least twice. I'm not sure if I did it three times. Yeah, that, that's about it. Two or three times on 72 hours. Yeah. And obviously, you know, recommendations are like not for everybody, but what would you say are some of these benefits that if people are, you know, medically able and um, don't have much in terms of like that thyroid stuff going on or, or really just some of these blood work markers going on, what have you found to be beneficial for it? Well, I mean, there's, there's definitely studies now that does help uh, with so many different diseases. Like it's one of the best things you can do as an anti-cancer, like a cancer preventative is fast. So that's why I should do it more regularly. It's, it's almost embarrassing that I've only done it two or three times. You should really do it ideally if you're looking to optimize your, because 70% of your immune system's in your gut. So gut health is super important. So normally we're just eating all the time. A lot of people are eating for at least 12 hours a day, maybe 16 hours a day, whatever it might be. And so you never give your digestive system a break. And when you do that, when you optimize your gut health, you optimize your immune system and all, all these other things. And uh, 
Um, so, so, so by fasting like that, like I said, it, there, there's a lot of research that, that proves it's, it's very beneficial against cancer and all kinds of other diseases. So, uh, and I, I think any, almost anyone could do it. You know, there's probably a few medical conditions, which, which is not a good idea, but for the most part. And then of course, there's just kind of the, the mental thing, like, you know, the, we live in a really comfortable society where, you know, men don't have to hunt and, you know, you don't have to kill your food, you don't have to build shelters. And like, we live in a really comfortable society. So anytime you can do something like that, just to push yourself out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself, I think it's a good idea for that reason as well. Yeah. 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 So that's something I'm, I'm thinking about. I know that was like a weird thing to start off with, but it was like, I just got off the phone with some dude that was like, oh man, you should do this fast with me. And I'm like, dude, I've only done a 24 hour one, like 36 hours. That is something, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's cool, man. That's cool. And like, but it's funny because the first 24 hours is, is the hardest. Like the middle is kind of easy. Yeah. And the last thing is easy too. Yeah. Yeah. It gets easier. The beginning sucks. That's what I've heard. So it's just like, you know, biting that bullet and just going for it. Um, yeah. So, you know, following you on Instagram, I just want to say like the post you made this morning, um, I'm glad you made it this morning because it's like, oh, dude, this is something sick that I can actually talk about. And like, really what I want people to understand is that as entrepreneurs and people that are in this space, whether they're just starting out or, you know, years in, like the way that we control our body reflects so much in business. And I feel like people don't get that. So like your post today about like, you know, you're in the forties now and you're not that you're laughing at the people that aren't training anymore, but like your benefits are so much more compounded now because you just didn't quit. Like if you were to talk to somebody brand new or deep into their journey of, of business, like how much do you weigh your fitness journey with your success in business? For sure. I, you know, I think I've always thought what, what Arnold said was true, that it's kind of the foundation and the rock talks it all, all about it all the time that it's your anchor. I think you got to take care of yourself. If you're not physically fit and you're not challenging yourself and pushing yourself physically, because like, as, as I alluded to earlier, we don't have that built in struggle in daily life anymore. So unless you self-impose that upon yourself, I think that you are never going to be as good as you could be in relationships, uh, but definitely in business, you know, that, that, that everything you learn, every life, left, life, life lesson you learn in the gym and pushing yourself, you can apply to business for sure. And then of course, just the physical benefits, right? Like your, your cognitive function is not going to decline at such a slow rate. You're going to have more energy. You're going to make better decisions. So you make better deals, uh, things like that. You know, it, it's just, you, you feel exponentially better. You don't have the brain fog when you're eating right. You know, so all those things kind of really uh, come into play for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you kind of hit on that because I've found that when I control my body, I can show up in the marketplace a little bit better. Um, and obviously every industry may or may not be different, but that cognitive benefit, that just stacks upon itself. You know, when you feel confident about who you are, you're going to represent yourself in a much more needed light. Um, so I'm glad that you touched upon that. And you build your confidence up or you chip away your confidence, depending on how you uh, keep the promises that you make yourself. So if you say to yourself, all right, I'm going to do 
what most people don't do. I'm going to get up and go to the gym every day and be strict about it. Most people don't do that. I'm going to do that. And then a month later, if you're not doing that, now you've broken that promise to yourself. So you've chipped away at your self-confidence. But every time you say, all right, I'm going to clean up my diet and I'm going to eat this way Monday through Saturday and have a cheat meal on Sunday. And I, I get my four workouts in a week and I get three cardio sessions. So those are all small promises that you keep to yourself. They snowball. If you break them to yourself, maybe nobody knows. You know, maybe, maybe it's just you at home in your home gym or you go to the gym and you quit on a workout. Nobody has to know. Nobody knows a lot of the things we do, but every time you break a small promise to yourself, it does eat away at your confidence. And then when your confidence is lower, how good do you think you're going to be at the office as an employee, as an employer, as a boss, when you have to give a presentation to people, you know? So yeah. anything you do that chips away at your confidence isn't good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to go back and I want to just... I want to talk about Craig Ballantyne and Bedros um, in a little bit, but because I know that like your relationship with them um, and just being around them, it's like, that's where that mentality. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's where that mentality comes from. But like, where'd you start? You know what I mean? Tell everybody about like your own journey. And, and again, because you're at this place where everyone wants to be in terms of, I think getting past some of the initial hurdles. So like, where did you really start the process i think it was uh new york jersey so i mean yeah. you, you could probably relate to kind of that that um northeast mindset you know like you got a chip on your shoulder a little bit yeah. right yeah yeah people complain about a lot of shit people like to talk a lot of shit uh so you know i had all that all that stuff kind of for years i i kind of took all that on from all the people family members or whatever and i just realized at one point that this isn't serving me you know and, and to backtrack a little bit, I was really insecure as a kid. I was just skinny, weak, uh, not the best athlete, barely spoke, things like that. So I wanted to change that. And I knew that all this, all these bad habits weren't serving me, this chip on my shoulder, this kind of anger, this uh, kind of New York aggressive attitude. And uh, so I wanted to change a lot of that. So I, I, I moved and I carried that with me. I, I had still built a successful business up to a point because you can only go as far as your self-limiting beliefs will allow you to go. Right. So, so I built up, but you know, by the time I was 19, I was making six figures and I, I was continuing on that path, growing the business flows. I was about 33. Uh, no, I'm sorry. When I was 36, we, so we moved, we moved to Cali almost 10 years ago. I'm 45 now. But at that point I was like, man, there's a lot of things that I need to change to really get myself to the next level. So, it was cutting out a lot of the people that I was around. And some people might be strong enough to do that where they're at. But I just knew where I was, too many of the same environments were triggering the same behaviors. And I just needed to get away. So I need to move 3,000 miles away, reinvent myself, and, and surround myself with people like Craig and Bedros and go find those kind of people. And just, just have this awareness of people who were you know, negative, shit-talking, complaining, gossiping. Because I wasn't aware of that. That's just how we all talk, you know? Um, you know what I mean? That that's just the thing. Like every, that's it, every, dude. <laughs> yeah, everybody does that, and so it's like that's the norm. But then once you remove yourself from it and you get around people, you force yourself to be around people who are living at a higher level and thinking a different way. All of a sudden, now when I go, go when I go back home, it's like, oh wow, I didn't notice that. And I, I think your words are super important. And even like as little as. If someone says, I hate, I hate, I hate all the time, it doesn't even have to be serious stuff. Like, oh, dude, I hate this show. I hate this. Oh, let's not go to that restaurant. I hate that. Like, if you're always just spewing hate, 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 or some kind of negativity, you're always complaining, 
it definitely seeps into your psyche and your mindset and, you know, how people respond to you, how they react to you, uh, everything. So I got away from all that and I, I sought out the people that I wanted to be around. Even when I moved here, I knew certain people. So naturally I gravitated towards hanging out with who I knew at first. But I was like, well, these people aren't really doing what I want to do and living the way I want to live. And I'm, I'm becoming more aware of how they're talking. So, and you got like those, those kind of people that you want to be around, they're not knocking at your front door. You got to put yourself in environments. You got to spend a thousand or 10,000 to go to these events where these people are at, you know, whatever it is, you have to put yourself in those specific environments. Yeah, no, that's, that's huge. I, I think it all shifted with me when I started investing in myself, like you said, you know, throw a couple thousand dollars to put yourself in a place that's going to get you uncomfortable, but surround you with the, the right people that you need to be surrounded by. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah. So that's been, that's been huge. And talk about the evolution of really what you were doing, like heavy, heavy influences from, you know, WWE and now really taking your, your training um, and your personal training to, I know you're doing a lot with like consulting now. Um, so like, how's that transition been? Uh, what do you want me to specifically talk about? Like really just like, really just, I guess the process, you know, about f where you were first starting with your uh -huh. personal training and then taking it online. And again, being around these, these higher people to like your influences with, with WWE. Now you're, you're coaching some of them, you know? So, yeah, I started when I was 19. I started training people. And then, you know, kind of make a, a long story short, I, I invested every dime that I made back into myself and growing the business. So I was never, you know, uh, for the first few years, I was never blowing money. Like, I didn't care about cars and all this shit. And then, you know, mid-20s, so from 19 to, let's say, 25, invested every dime back into being able to buy equipment rent my own space, grow the gym, do all that kind of stuff. Then I'm like 25, and this is back in like the late 90s. No one my age was making the kind of money I was making. So I was like, man, I've been working my face off for six years. Let's start doing some more stuff. I don't want to miss out on my 20s. So late 20s, it was really late 20s that I really started kind of living and partying more. But like 28 to 33, I realized, all right, I, 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 you know, I worked my face off in college, barely partied. I was in bed at 9 o'clock on my 21st birthday. And work in my 20s nonstop 12 hours a day. So then I started to blow a ton of money and wasn't really still like a car material possession guy, but it was just like experiences. And, and my crew didn't have money. And also I was still an insecure guy who wanted to wanted people to like me. So I was like, all right, let's go to Nobu. Let's go to a uh, spa and plaid, like the hottest clubs in New York all the time. And, um, you know, like, and I, I remember those days fondly because that was, the days when, when Biggie first hit and Jay-Z and like you'd see those guys in the clubs that we went to all the time. And, uh, but I'm, I'm like buying bottles and I'm getting this VIP. I'm doing this all the time. And I, dude, I had made six figures from the time I was 19 and at 31, I was broke. And I, I had to call my mom with tears in my eyes and be like, can I move into your spare bedroom for like six months to get my shit together? And she's like, I know how much money you've been making for all these years. What the fuck happened? And I was like, I don't even know where to begin. So that was kind of how I earned the nickname of MC Hammer for a while with my friends, just blowing through every dime. But anyway, business-wise, I started uh, writing online. So I started training people in 94, started writing online in 2001, before there was blogs or anything like that. And I just wrote the way I spoke. And I wrote kind of aggressively and with this Northeast attitude. And, and people really took to it and they liked it. It was different from anything out there. 
and I cursed and whatnot. And so people liked that. So I grew a really big following. And then I got in every magazine. I eventually got my own column in Men's Fitness. I got a book deal with Penguin. And in 2003, I started self-publishing stuff. So nobody was selling their own eBooks or, or uh, coaching yet. So I was doing that early on. And, um, and then I started, uh, you know, continuity, like memberships and ongoing coaching and stuff like that. Uh, just to back here, one thing I forgot about the gym was I, I wasn't really that well versed in business back then, but I was training one-on-one -on -one clients. And then I got a few athletes, which I really wanted. In 96, I got my first athlete. And then he referred me friends. They wanted to train together. So I kind of, I don't know who else claims to have done this. So I always claim that I invented group training because I've never yeah. seen anyone else claim it. So uh, I started training guys in groups of three to six. And then eventually we'd have small group, which is three to six, then a large group, which was like 12 to 15. And then my days were just full of group training all day long. And I was able to make more and more money. So I kind of taught people that model. Like a lot of really well-known fitness uh, coaches and strength coaches who I won't name, I mean, they've come out and publicly said that I, you know, I helped them grow their business, but I taught them kind of that model and how to market and how to grow their shit. And, uh, and, and, and then I just realized, you know, like you gotta have multiple revenue streams. So, so I was doing the online stuff, selling, selling one-off eBooks, selling continuity because any kind of business, if you have continuity, that's obviously way better. Um, and then I, and then I transitioned, I started doing the podcast. Uh, so now, you know, the podcast, it gets gets enough downloads that we can make six figures via ads on the podcast. So kind of having all these multiple streams of income uh, makes a lot of sense to do that. And then, then we, we started doing um, probably about five, let's see, uh, four or five years into being here in, uh, and I mean in Southern Cali in Santa Monica, I want to start doing my own live events again. And cause the last, last few years in Jersey at our, at our gym, we would do fitness only workshops and people would travel from around the world. They would come in for a weekend. We'd teach them everything about training. But then here, it was the first time in 15 years that I didn't have my own gym. But I was like, all right, I've gone through kind of a lot of personal development the last four or five years. And I want to implement all this stuff. And so I just figured out how, to, how do I combine, like, fitness and personal development and, you know, everything that, that had worked so well for me and made such a difference in my life. So we started doing those about five years ago. And so we've, we've done – you know, four to eight of those events for the last five years and kind of uh, introduced a higher end coaching program. That's that whole thing, kind of like the all encompassing, like physical, mental, emotional strength. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, obviously like that's really the cult, like you must just love that stuff, right? Like I getting into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is it is it a different experience? I mean, it has to be. What's the experience like when you're doing that versus just like doing a personal training session? Well, so with that, everybody gets into that and everybody gets fired up and everybody needs help with that. Everybody needs help with fitness because it's a weird industry where everybody thinks they know and they can do it on their own. So like, I would never attempt to do my own teeth or my own taxes or be my own urologist or anything like that, you know, but like everybody thinks that they can be their own trainer or strength coach, which is just weird. So it's a weird business in that, that sense that everyone thinks they can do it. But with the, like the other stuff, the personal development stuff, everybody's like, I need help with this. Like who can't get better at that? The rock can yeah. get better at that, right? So, and it's something that we all need to work on forever. If, you, if, you, if you're anyone who's on any kind of path to get better you know that you're, you're never going to stop 
improving your communication skills, your self-confidence, your ability to build and maintain uh, quality relationships. Like we have to work on that 24 seven from now until the day we die. So people get really into that and there's not as much resistance. Uh, there's not as much, many walls put up with that. Whereas with fitness, people have a lot of their own beliefs and stuff like that. Like, like if I say something about training this way, they're like, oh, well, this guy said that and that guy said that. And I'm like, I don't want to argue. This is the way I do it. But with the other stuff, it's kind of like, there's no resistance. Like, yeah, dude, that makes sense. I want to help with that. You know? yeah. So I enjoy that and I can get super fired up and people get fired up about it and it's applicable. And also another thing for, for me personally for fitness, like I like working with and talking to guys who know a fuck ton about training and who have trained for years so I can use my really cool advanced stuff. And that's only like one out of 500,000 people. Of course. So, of course. Uh, so, you know, that, that's why I, t I tend to really enjoy this stuff almost more when you're combining the whole thing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That's awesome. And just as a quick aside, um, what is your, if you're willing to share, I'd love to know, like, obviously everything going on right now. Um, how do you think group training will get impacted in the future? I think it's going to be fucked. Yeah. Yeah. So I, no. I, think, I think what's going to happen is big group training. 15 plus 20, 30 people. I think that's going to be hurting for a while. I think one-on-one -on -one training will do better than it has in years. That'll make a comeback. One-on-one -on -one high end will be better. Some people will, will, will gravitate. Maybe if they can't afford that, they'll, they'll be into like a semi-private or a three, four-on-one. I think the high, the high, high numbers of group stuff is going to be impacted negatively for a while, more so than anything else. And I think it's going to be important to have a higher end gym as well. Like if you just prided yourself on having like a hardcore shitty gym that was always dirty, like that's the worst right now. You yeah. need to have like a really high end, even if it's a thousand square foot private facility, it's gotta be like Equinox, like super clean. The cleaning lady's gotta be there all the time. You gotta be taking care of people. Uh, you know, just really high. That That's gonna do better in my opinion going forward for a while. No, yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, just as another, I guess, add on to all of the guys and girls listening that, um, you know, are the personal trainers that listen in, like, what would you, in terms of advice, like, what should these guys be doing um, now to prepare or to pivot? Well, I mean, everybody, no matter what the economy, no matter what the state of the world is, you should always work on high income skills. You should always work on uh, selling, closing, copywriting. And copywriting is writing an email, writing a blog post, writing sales copy on a page, writing an Instagram post. Like you have to really think about that. What is the purpose of everything you are writing? The purpose is to get a sale. So anyone who's really successful and knows what, the, what they're doing, they might post a picture of their dog, but there's still a, a purpose to it. It's no like and trust. It's uh, personal branding, whatever. So don't just put out mindless shit. Like really get a good copywriting course, get a good sales course, get a good closing course. If you're sitting home right now and you're going to be home for another month or three months, whatever, work on the skills that are recession proof. So, and speaking, you always need to, you know, learn how to speak, public speaking, but just any kind of communicating, writing, speaking, closing, selling, work on those things. And then... I think just, you know, move, at least temporarily move towards, if you were doing groups, forget about it for a while, move to groups of three to four people, more one-on-one -on -one stuff. People will pay, like there was years ago, I remember when, when I was really popularizing the group training, 
And other people started jumping on the bandwagon and saying one-on-one's dead, one-on-one's dead. No, one-on-one never died. Some of my most successful guys, like I have a, a coaching client who started with me four, year, four or five years ago making 100 grand. Now he makes a million a year. He only does one-on-one and he loves it. And I have a lot of guys who only do one-on-one. I mean, especially if you're in a major city. If you're in New York, Miami, L.A., Chicago, one-on-one, there's always going to be people there who will rather pay for that. There's yeah. always going to be people for any product or service that will always want the Bentley or the Mercedes-Benz option, so whatever the highest price option is. Uh, and, and don't be afraid to charge that. Well, what people are doing is they're being reactionary and they're slashing prices and having sales and doing this and doing that. Like the money didn't get sucked out to outer space. All the money that was here in December is still here on the planet. People have it. You just need to get it and, and, you know, get in front of the right people and market the right service to the right people. And they'll still give you that money. But if you freak out and and do everything the opposite, uh, it's probably not going to work. Yeah, I, I um, highly agree. Like, you know, stop having the scarcity mentality and, you know, that's hard to snap out of, but like yeah. the money does exist. Like everybody can go grab some more. So I'm yeah. actually, I'm real happy you, you kind of touched on that and just kind of reflecting here, um, you know, thinking about all the stuff you were saying, do you think um, the way that you mastered copywriting first has allowed you to become that much more um like high level with your presentations and your speaking and even just how you you know you you carry yourself you know what i mean i I think it definitely played a part yeah yeah i mean from the beginning you know when i when i first started writing in 2001 i hadn't really studied copy but i i enjoyed writing and i kind of just that was the only thing i've ever had a natural gift for was writing fairly well from the get-go without really learning anything about it or you know, like I slept through school. I was the worst D student. I hated school. But when I started writing about something I was passionate about, it stood out, which is why I was able to build my business. And then I was like, all right, let me learn more about being persuasive and selling and copywriting and all, all that. And I 100% agree with you. I think it, it definitely does transfer into spoken word, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, just again, want to kind of dig into like how you carry yourself. Um, I think it's awesome that, uh, you know, you do, um, you do stand up. I think that was sick. Um, so like, tell, like, just speak about how that translate again into your business and like into how you package a presentation. Because as soon as I heard you started doing that, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I would freeze. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, again, I had moved to Cali and I was like, I got to push myself out of my comfort zone in every way and just work on stuff. And I was always the shy, quiet guy. I would never get up in front of groups. I mean, honestly, if there was more than six people that we went out to dinner with, that was about my threshold. And then a group bigger than that, I'd probably shut down. Unless I knew everyone really well, I'd probably shut down. But um, so, I, so I, knew, I knew that this is an essential life skill. When I look at people who are successful, whether I know them or I don't know them, I was like, okay, I love how that guy's able to be the life of the party, be commanding, or everyone looks at him. So, and I just knew that that would help you in whatever endeavor you wanted, you know, whatever you want to change. If you want to grow your bank account, if you want to uh, help build a school in Africa, whatever you want to do, you have to be able to communicate and, you know, kind of command the attention from people. So I thought, okay, well, what would be super uncomfortable and awkward to do? Stand up is like everyone's biggest, everyone's biggest fear is public speaking. Stand-up's even harder because now you're not only public speaking, 
but you're expected to get a laugh. So it's fucking really hard. So I did that and it was okay. And you know, that my first class was okay. I was like, all right, this is really pushing me. And then I got into improv, which I later found out that improv is the foundation for stand-up. You should take improv first. And I truly believe that improv should be required. Uh, we should have improv classes in high school and college should be a requirement because it is such an essential life skill. So not only does it push you out of your comfort zone, you're communicating on stage in front of people, but it teaches you listening skills. And as important as communicating is and speaking, listening is as equally important. If you're a good listener, people will think you're a great conversationalist and you might say only a few words, but you're listening really intently. Because one, one of the most innate human desires is to, to feel listened to, to feel understood. And so if you can, if you're really adept at that, people will love you, they'll do anything for you. So, and then the reason improv teaches you listening skills because if you and I step out on stage and someone says, okay, you guys are a Baskin Robbins, I have to listen to what you say. Like whatever you say, Mark, I have to listen and respond to that. I can't be pre-planning in my head because that'll fuck up the scene. So if you say, hey, I just scooped this guy some mint chocolate chip, I can't say, oh, here's it. Like you just ignore you. I got to be like, oh, mint chocolate chip's my favorite. Yeah, this is how, uh, you know, and we, then we play on the scene from there. So it really teaches you listening skills. So you get better in one-on-one or small group conversations. And then the first rule of improv is yes and, meaning you never say no, you never negate someone. So if you say, hey, I'm getting this guy a scoop of mint chocolate chip, I, I can't say, that's not mint chocolate chip, it's strawberry. And you're like, well, the scene's dead, dummy. Like, you know what I mean? So you have to say yes and, which is great for business or life because once you learn that yes and skill, like let's say you, you have an employee and they come to you and say, Hey, Mark, I think we should, uh, we should paint this wall red. And you're thinking red would be the worst color for this wall. But you go, okay, yeah, Bill, t- I, I love it. T- red's the color of passion. I love that you're fired up about red. And maybe you can Jedi mind trick him into painting the wall blue in a week. But at first, you're not going to say, that's the worst fucking idea. Because now you've killed that relationship. So like if you meet someone out at a party and they say, oh, my favorite rapper of all time is Nelly. I'm not going to go, what? That's the worst pick. Are you kidding me? I'm going to say, oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, so tell me why Nelly's great. What do you love about him? Oh, he reminds you of spring break and hot in here and girls were taking their shirts off and shit great. You know, so and then later you could eventually tell him why Nas or somebody is exponentially better than Nelly, but you don't want to ever just, you know, do that, that no. Like even if someone brings up politics, religion, don't do that if that's someone you want to build a relationship with. Um, so it teaches you so many essential life skills. You get out of there, you're out, you get up, you get out of your comfort zone, you're speaking in public. And then, uh, now I feel like I'm going to rant. I don't know what, what, what the question even was. Nah, man, I'm, I'm real glad that you even like touched upon that. Like, I think one thing that I see and that I notice, um, when I'm either talking to people who need help, um, that I work with, or like just in general, like people kill deals that they're in because, they yeah. just disagree with people. It's like, dude, you're trying to get this guy to buy from you. Don't stop telling him he's wrong, you know? <laughs> so that's huge, man. That was, uh, I'm glad that you went down that way. I'm glad that you went down that way. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's essential to like, you know, it's, it's a uh, cliche that your network is your net worth, but you should always be trying to build relationships, uh, you know, with, with, with good people. Yeah. And not necessarily because you, you want something from them later on, but it certainly helps to have a lot of great, powerful, and influential people as friends, especially during this time. Like when the world falls apart, it's great to say, wow, I know a lot of people that could help me right now, you know, or they could help somebody else that's in need. So 
human beings have the desire to be right and the desire to be right causes us to start wars and uh you know commit crimes it ends every relationship you know just a stupid thing about if your wife said oh that was tuesday when you did that and i'd be like no it was wednesday and then we're going to argue about it, if it was tuesday or wednesday why because we have this innate desire to be right but if you get over the desire to be right your life will be so much better your relationships will be so much better there's no there's no winning like okay i was right now i won now now my boss or my friend or my wife is pissed off because i won what did i win nothing so you need to work on getting over the desire to be right because it does kill a lot all your relationships actually yeah yeah did i agree with you there 100 percent um and just thinking as well you know there's a lot that you have in terms of just knowledge and in terms of your exposure even um to a multiple of different industries and different people right like what initially made you want to start getting into personal development um you know your meditation practices and all of that what were some of the influences that really pushed you to this new gear yeah i, I think it was just you know what I can't remember, people ask me this a lot, and I can't remember if there was a specific incident or, or what happened around the time when I was in Jersey. And I was just, you know, kind of getting to that point where I, I just had all these, it was like 33 years of not thinking about it. It was just, this is the way we are, this is the way my family is, this is the way we talk, this is the way we react to things, this is the way we act, this is how we complain about shit. And then all of a sudden it was like, that doesn't seem right anymore. And I don't know what the steps were. I know that it was just starting to read certain books. Probably I, I t attended a couple events. Probably I got around certain people and we're like, huh, that's a different way of doing things. And um, then it just became like if you start training for the first time and you get bit by the iron bug, you're like obsessed with training or you get your first tattoo and you're like, I want to get the sleeve and you know, it becomes addictive. So I was like, oh man, this is addictive. This is great. This makes such a difference. People are reacting differently to me. I'm getting more done. I don't have as much stress and anxiety. Uh, I don't have as many insecurities. So I just became addicted to consuming and learning about all that stuff. And, um, and then you just kind of look at the habits, right? Like success leaves cues. So you look at the habits of successful people. What are they doing? Okay, most successful people I know have a morning routine. So let me try to, try to create a morning routine. They meditate, okay? They read a lot, okay? Let me start reading more. You know, just, just mirroring what successful people do. Like, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's, it's there. Um, you know, the, the difference between probably most millionaires and, and most people who make 30 grand is really just their habits, what you do. We all have the same amount of time in, in a day. Uh, granted, some people, of course, have a head start, and some people have a really rough time, you know, with where, where they start in life. If you grow up in the projects with, with no dad, like, it's, it's way rougher. I, I didn't have to overcome that, so I don't know what that's like. But I, you know, I've seen Puffy and Jay-Z do that, so I know it's possible, right? So I, I think it just, you know, really comes down to how you choose to spend your time and, and what habits you choose to create. Yeah. It's funny how easy it is to, like, do, um, but how hard it is to, like, implement. Or how easy yeah. it is to say, but how hard it is to implement. Oh, 100%. And, yeah. and I don't think anyone, I mean, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I, I'm certainly never perfect at it. You never get to the point where you're like, Oh, I got this locked in. We're all going to default to things, you know, we're all going to default to bad habits or wasting time or things like that. Certain things you lock in, like I'm never going to miss a workout no matter what, that's easy for me. But there's certain other things that I'll, 
I'll default. You know, we all have our weaknesses. We all have our addictions. We all have our faults. And you'll default to those if you don't have systems in play, if you don't have habits, if you don't have the people around you keeping you accountable, if you don't have rules for your life, you know, live by a certain code. Like everybody knows that the rules for sports, there's rules. You can drive a certain uh, speed limit. Uh, religions have rules. But most people never actually take an hour to sit down and open up a spiral notebook and be like, all right, what are the rules for my life? that I want to live by and what are the things that I absolutely won't do so that if anybody asks me, it's not a, uh, a hard decision. It's not me being a people pleaser. It's not hard to say no, because I know I've already created these rules. Yeah. That's uh, th- these are all key things that I'm glad continuously get brought up in conversations and um, really just, going back to kind of the stoic philosophy. I know you're big with that too, but it's just like, when do we ever just sit in silence and really just figure our shit out? You yeah. know? Um, yeah. And I just think it's so overlooked, but it's so powerful and it's just a needed thing to really get to that next level. Um, so I'm glad you yeah. touched on all of that. And as we wrap up, um, I have a couple more questions. And first would be maybe an easy one. Um, because it's off the top of your head, but uh, East Coast, West Coast, like, like who's winning? You know what I mean? Uh, East Coast. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. But like in terms of, let's keep it fun. Um, if you were to have a top five, um, who do you jam with, man? Uh, that's, that's, that's always tough. So uh, let's go uh, Eminem, Rakim, Nas, Black Thought, and I mean the top five. Like Eminem's always in there. Rakim's always in there. Black Thought has really gotten his way in there. Uh, but I can always, you know, like nah, yeah. I can always put Jay in there. I can yeah. always. There's so many guys I can put in there. I'll, I'll throw Jay in there today. I can throw Andre Three Thousand in there. It's it's so hard. Tough man, it's tough. I can throw Daddy Kane in there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's um. I should do that. I have not paid enough attention to Black Thought. Now you got my mind kind of cranking around, man. Oh, dude, when we finish this, you got you get. If you just put on hit, remember when he did that ten minute freestyle a few years ago? Yeah. He did two thousand seventeen on Funkmaster Flex. It's just mind blowing. Yeah, I'll have he's to got check so that. many guests. He's kind of like Eminem, where he's got a lot of guest spots that people don't know about, where he steals the song. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. That's sick. I'll have to check in on that. Um, and then. Really just want to hear, obviously, you know, whatever's going on, it's going to end soon. It may get dragged out. Um, so I'm not, lo- I'm not sure what that looks like for you, but really wanted to hear more about what you have up and coming, you know, what, what we can anticipate coming from you, um, you know, throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, – I was hoping to do m- more of my live events this year. I don't know that that's going to happen or not. I mean, I'm still holding. I hope that we'll be able to get at least one or two in the fall. So I don't know. Uh, and then, like anybody, I, I'm making some adjustments to the business right now. Uh, so, some, some kind of smart, well-thought-out pivots, not, not trying to be too reactionary or crazy. Uh, and then, you know, so, some of the stuff I'm, I'm really still kind of ironing out and finalizing. And um, so nothing really different. You know, still doing the podcast, still doing yeah. the coaching. The only thing that's different was maybe we won't be doing live events. And uh, I was – 
looking to probably this year open up a small training facility, which would have just been private and just for, for me and for events. That I'm not sure what we're going to do with that yet. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, not, 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 nothing really unusual or, or, or brand new. Yeah, yeah. That's – I um, for one, I, I not that I commend you, but it's so refreshing to hear somebody – um, that's not just going fucking nuts because of this. Like you're sticking to your game plan. And I think so many other people should just keep that tunnel vision mentality of like, look, I'm not going to be naive to the fact that this is happening, but I'm also not going to let it impact me. So that that's actually pretty refreshing to hear, man. I appreciate that. Um, and really, yeah, you know, I've, I've throughout this, I've been as focused and as positive and, uh, and as a good mood as I've ever been. I've just been, you know, consistent every day. I've not freaked out once. I get bummed out probably like two, three times a week for maybe 10 minutes when I think about missing my friends and that, you know, like we, we, we missed Pearl Jam when they were in town and that was going to be so much fun and I was going to be backstage and hanging out with all my friends at WrestleMania. and. And then when they say, oh, we're not going to be able to do that for six months, like that'll bum me out a little bit for about five minutes, two, three times a week. But I've just been, you know, staying, staying focused and staying positive and, and trying to help other people too. So, you know, saying uh, yes more than I would to a lot of requests just because when you're internally focused and you're always thinking about your own shit and how you could help yourself in good times or bad times, you're going to be bummed out. So now it's a bad time. So if we have this extra time to think about, oh, this is fuck, this is fuck, this is fuck, it's even more so. So I always try to just reach out like, hey, man, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Um, and then you're just going to feel better. Like, you know, Booker T. Washington said, those who do the most for others are those who are the happiest. And Ali said, service to others is the, the, the rent you pay for your room here on earth. So if you wake up each day and, and try to help people, you'll just end up feeling better and happier than if you're only just focused on how can I make more money? How can I get a better body? How can I get more chicks? Whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, guys, everybody right now, like that is the portion you got to keep rewinding and, and playing again. Um, and really sit in it. Like, don't just do it to do it. Like really take heed at the words, um, that Jay just spoke. That was awesome, man. Um, and one thing I like to do as I wrap up, um, love to kind of just give a homework assignment. So for all the listeners out there, you know, whenever they're hearing this, um, if you were to give a homework assignment that they are able to reflect on and try to complete for the week, you know, what would be a big thing, um, either life business that you would recommend or that you think people should, um, really pay more attention to? Hmm. I, guess, I guess I would just go with the one that I mentioned already because I think it's so powerful and I always have clients do it is just sit down for an hour in silence and create rules for your life. And th th that is so powerful when you have that because then it's super easy for you to make decisions. And then people, what happens eventually is if, if you're clear about it and you know that those are the rules that you always live by, that's your code. People actually stop asking you things that annoy you. They, they know like, Oh, Mark always says no to this. Mark doesn't do it. I'm not even going to bother him with that. So, like, no one would ask you or I, hey, do you want to go do heroin on, under the bridge here? Because they know we're going to say no. But they'll ask us to do other stuff where now people know, like, they would never ask me to help them move because I'm just not doing that. But if you're my friend and you can't, like, if you're really desperate, I'll give you 300 bucks for the mover. 
but I'm not wasting my time to go physically help you move. If you break up with your girlfriend or your wife and you need three hours, we're going to go sit and have coffee. I'll do that. I don't want to pick up the couch. So people know that. So if you're really like strict with these rules and how you live your life and you say no in a cool way and you really embrace the power of no, uh, people respect you more. They like you more. And uh, it's just very empowering for your life too. So I would just get a notebook and write like, what are some codes of conduct, some rules that I live by that I don't break no matter what. And it's also important, I think, to have your list of non-negotiables. So even though it's a cliche to say like, you know, when the plane is going down, you're supposed to put your mask on first. You have to be selfish and take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. And that kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation where if you're taking care of your fitness, you're going to be better in business. If you're taking care of the main non-negotiables for you, whatever those might be, like for me, it's I need to read every day for at least a half hour. I need to get my workouts in. I need to meditate. So a few things that I need to do. And if I don't do them, I'll have anxiety. I'll feel unfulfilled at the end of the day. And so I'll go throughout the day not being as good of a friend, as good of a boss, as good in anything I do. So take, so create your non-negotiables. Create like three to five things that are non-negotiable. You cannot miss because they, they mean a lot to you. And you have to do them. And then you can be better for everyone else in your life. That's really important to do. That's big. Guys, you heard it again. Non-negotiables list and the rules for your life list. Definitely spend that time. I think all of us could do more in terms of our own self-reflection and you know what we're really trying to do internally. So guys, do that for sure. And then Jay, let's, um, where can we find you? What are some of the big things we can list out here? Yeah, renegaderadiopodcast.com. Uh, Fit, since my name's hard to spell, jay.fit, I'll redirect you. And then if you can figure out how to spell my name, it's Jay Ferrugia on Instagram, which is the social media platform. I, the only one I really use. Awesome. Guys, I'm going to put all of those in the show notes. Uh, let's be sure to go out. Um, definitely give him a follow. Um, again, all different types of spectrums, which is really something that I think everybody would, would love to be able to plug into. You're going to hear business. You're going to hear fitness. You know, you're going to hear maybe some of the woo-woo stuff, but you're going to hear the raw truth stuff too. And, and that total package um, is really why I continue to listen. So Jay, I appreciate you being on here today, man. Thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. O- overnight success out, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to Overnight Success You with Mark Forster, a.k.a. Professor Doughboy. If you like our show, go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes, and be sure to follow me on Instagram at the Mark Forster for daily content and insight into the day-to-day journey. There, you can also find resources I've provided for access to the OSU community along with the opportunity to schedule time on my calendar to talk further and go more in depth as to what challenges you're facing in business and life. Until next week, class dismissed.